another episode of Speaking the Lawn, the official podcast of streakingthelawn.com. I feel like I'm coming out of hibernation, summer hibernation. Uh, I'm, I'm as my as it always is. My name is Pierce, and I've got Paul back with me. Um, Zach's off. Zach's Zach's off doing college college student, kid college kid in the summer stuff internships and blah, blah i don't know but we old heads are, are here to kick off this season of our football podcast certainly other sports news comes along but it being august we're here to talk about college football certainly there's been plenty to talk about recently in the national landscape and i don't know maybe paul we can share our thoughts on a realignment at some point but considering it's the first podcast we've had uh, we also took some time away from talking about football during football season. Um, and then, of course, there is the the whole context of the shooting tragedy that obviously we, we took time away from. So point being, it has been many months since uh, I've been on a recording talking about Virginia football. And I don't know about you, but it feels weird. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I think my therapist would call that break self-care. Uh. <laughs> and I, I think that's sort of what we want to get to with this first episode here in mid-August. Um, you know, there's training camp rumors and news and, and reports and recruitings going along, and, and we'll dabble a little bit into that. But we'll be back, uh, you know, weekly um, to do a little more extensive previews of things like the schedule breakdown uh, and probably depth chart analysis and, and things like that. But uh, what I want to do right now is just, I don't know, for everybody listening, reset where we are, state of the program-wise. Um, it's hard not to start with, of course, the shooting that ended the season last year. So uh, obviously everyone's familiar with that. But, you know, what you might not remember uh, is how it impacted the schedule. Virginia only had three wins. Uh, and because of that shooting, um, the, the last two uh, games of the season were – canceled rightfully so of course but um you know the 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 football part being what we're here to talk about obviously you know not as important as uh you know <laughs> people's lives and, and these young men and and the staff and everybody involved Absolutely. in the CBA community um which we've talked about at great length here already and I think everybody's familiar with and and feels pretty similarly so the football impact um to focus on right the second to me is is we were looking at that tech game as like a opportunity to galvanize a losing season for a first year coach around a potential anytime you beat them at this point no matter how bad virginia tech is massive win and it you know was was looking very doable because of how poorly right. tech was playing and virginia showed flashes of hanging in there right like i mean they weren't playing they weren't getting blown out every game you know they they lost a close one um to north carolina they lost a, a, a four overtime game to miami there were reasons to think hey these guys could get together and and if not beat Coastal Carolina, then at least, um, you know, make this rivalry game interesting. If you win that, you're sort of setting a foundation for a second year coaching staff to, to, to have the conversation in state. Obviously, that all gets derailed by the tragic uh, violence on grounds and. And it doesn't matter in, in that scheme. But here we are with football coming back. And that's sort of the 
the messy perception of this program because we as fans were, you know, pretty unhappy, but there was a big cleaning house of, of transfers out. Obviously Brennan Armstrong leaves for, for NC state. He'll be back on grounds <laughs> in a couple months. Uh, you get a new quarterback, Tony Musket, a Virginian from a small school Monmouth coming in. He put up great numbers, transfers in, seemed to be the front runner uh, with that transfer for the starting job. Clearly that's the case now where we are in August. There are too many quarterbacks on this roster, um, yeah. but Musk is the, the obvious starter and, uh, you know, has been a prolific passer in a, a weaker competition, but no reason to think uh, pessimistically uh, in my end about his chances. So, a little bit of rambling. It's where we are. I did go to the spring game, so maybe we could um, start with with some uh, observations of a few few things. But where do you see this, Paul, right now? As like a, you know, as you're, yourself, like me, a lifelong fan, alum. Yeah. You know what? What are your thoughts when we go? Okay, it's football season. We're we're upper echelon fans. How? <laughs> where is our attention? How are we feeling? Uh, what do we what do we do to get hype? Yeah, I this is something that obviously no no program in recent memory has has had to deal with um in the in terms of the outside the lines context of, of that you all that you just explained so so eloquently. Um I think it's important to remember that there are the the ripple effects from that that are still on the team. Um mm-hmm. that obviously Mike Hollins being able to come back from from being injured being wounded in that shooting and being from training camp reports in line to be the starting running back i mean that's that's that is an incredible story that hopefully can be uh a real you know, you've already used the word galvanizing but but sort of again a a, a rally around the rally around the guys kind of a thing for this locker room of you know, you've seen other other tributes to these fallen players um you know will betridge who was a, a high school teammate of deshaun perry changing his mm-hmm. number to 41 uh to keep keep that legacy going we know that there's going to be um some some ways that those guys are made um their memories become a permanent part of of the physical foundation of the program i, I expect mm-hmm. something on the field or something at the stadium to be uh unveiled uh in in fairly short order um but there's also you know the other in sort of the other direction, some of the ripple effects, Marcus Hagan's leaving for Penn state. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that really can't be overlooked that with um, Lavelle Davis and, and Devin Chandler, both being wide receivers and especially Lavelle, the, the mm-hmm. amount that he had come back from injury and as close as he had gotten with the Hagan's family during that time. Um, you know, that's, that's not saying that Marcus left only because of the shooting or that the shooting caused Marcus to leave, but it, it had to have been a factor. Uh, and I, I think he's even said, said so fairly, fairly publicly, um, in making that move that it was, it was a chance to, to reset and get a little bit of a fresh start, which is completely understandable from a, um, just a human standpoint and, mm-hmm. and, and what we know about, about Hagen's and, and how he is with his players, how he is with the program, you know, no one, no one's going to begrudge him going and, and needing that breath of fresh air um, from a football standpoint, it, that hurts. Um, that hurts that um, we had a, a receiving core last year that underperformed and underwhelmed to be sure. Um, but part of what the hope for this coming season was with that receiving core, even having lost 
two guys um, was that there would be the consistency of having Higgins as the the coaching voice and that that could lead to a return to form. The, the thing that plagued this team so badly last year as a receiving core was drops. Mm-hmm. And the season before that, they had had the lowest or second lowest drop rate in the country. Um, so that's that's a it's just inexplicable how that uh, yeah yeah happens. and it's, yeah. it's one of those you know whether it's a little bit of change in system not knowing not being as innately comfortable with where the ball is going to be coming from and Brandon Armstrong didn't you know impress anybody with the catchability of some of his throws either mm-hmm. uh it's you know one of those those compounding issues um but you know that's just one example of where the football impact of this is. Um, I think the other thing is, is in terms of just the barometer of the program's location, where it is in the world, um, you know, you, you hear a lot of times coaching sort of when, when somebody is looking back on a, a coaching tenure or trying to assess whether somebody's on the hot seat or something like that, they'll refer to a year zero season, um, that a coach coming in and having to do a total rebuild. Uh, and, and I think the, the Bronco coming in after, um, after London, that first Mendenhall season, you know, could, could rightly be thought of as that kind of year zero season, that it was a complete overhaul of system sure. and personnel and everything. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody was expecting Elliot to have had 2022 as a year zero season, um, given what the program, you know, there had been a couple of steps back from that division championship, you know, Orange Bowl appearance. Um, but it wasn't, it didn't seem like the house had been stripped down to the studs. Right. Um, now, you know, it, there's a, how does this, this tragedy, this, this human event affect the ability of the, I think you said it perfectly in terms of the, they lost the ability to potentially have a sort of season saving win against, mm-hmm. against a, a down Virginia tech team. And we've certainly seen in-state recruiting struggle a bit um, over the, the intervening months. Um, but it does now have the feel of, we don't know what this coaching staff is capable of what they're going to be putting on the field, you know, the, the, the growth or development that you might expect as a staff. Um, no, nobody knows what the projection is because there's no precedent for how to handle this. Mm-hmm. There's no, Oh, well, if you look at X school, they had this similar thing happen and, and their coaches handled it one way or they, you know, they rallied around this or, or fell flat on that. And so it's, you asked how we feel as, as fans, this is one of the most ambivalent Augusts I've ever had for Virginia football and not mm-hmm. ambivalent. Cause I don't care about it. It's ambivalent. Cause I don't know. I don't have any sense of how to calibrate my expectations. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it seems so trivial. Um, yeah. How, how, how are, how are you feeling? Well, I think exactly like you said, a lot of it seems trivial and it's, it's going to, there's, there's going to be so much support in a great way. And you saw it at the spring game Um, and everyone involved. I mean, you can't question everybody on this roster 
every coach that's here and and every fan in the stands in Scott or watching at home, you know, everybody is going to support every ounce of this program um, because of the, the trauma we've been through to whatever degree. Right. And, you know, this is a school that, that has a great fan base across the board for winning programs. And, and I think the vibes were so bad coming out of the football program during the first year um, of Elliot's tenure that you knew a lot of people were going to leave. Um, you know, Dontavian comes to mind as, as yeah. someone who seemed to be just not the same. And he's already, you know, he's now he's making money and probably going to do pretty well in green Bay. Like it wasn't, sure. it wasn't a talent thing. It clearly just wasn't clicking um, with the new coaching staff, just like Brennan Armstrong wasn't. Um, right. Anyway, so vibes were, were so bad and now vibes aren't capable of being bad. Like why would you have consternation about, the football product, but how, for how long is that going to last? You know, right. I think people deal right. with tragedy, especially in groups, you deal with it as want to get back to normal. Well, what's normal for football fan bases? It's like cheer your team on. And when they're losing every game, get real <laughs> mad. right? You know? right. <laughs> like, and I'm not capable of getting mad at this football team probably ever again, you know, but uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're sports fans because we want to be emotional and we want to get invested. We want to get excited with that comes mad reactions, whatnot, you know, try not to let it ruin your day. Right. But it can, and you know, anybody listening to this knows how that day, feels. weekend, month, whatever. <laughs> well, as I've said a thousand times, I'm a Lions fan. So I mean, whole weekend covered. <laughs> a lot of scar <laughs> tissue there. <Yeah>. But uh, <laughs> it, it's a, it, you, you know, uh, the positive vibes are going to be this unified support, uh, no matter what the product is. But it does make me think for, as a sports blogger and podcaster and fan of the program, like, remember how in shambles, what would this look like yeah. it, without this tragedy? And we would be, we, depending on the tech game would have would have given us you know, either some optimism or just completely devoid of optimism. Cause sure. you look at recruiting is awful. Um, the defense is the bright spot, right. Uh, among other bright spots here and there. And then because of, of the Mike Collins story, you do have that. I mean, that's the story of the year, right? Like right. It, across all of sports probably. Right. So yeah. you, you do have these things, both football and as you said, outside the lines, um, to to be energized by and to be optimistic about and to feel good you know about where we are but overall on the field things were were trending i mean you know the team looked lost the team looked dysfunctional and apathetic apathetic right and maybe this you know new new blood coming in maybe they rally around we've got our guys where you know we've got a vision where everybody's on the same page and maybe there's a bump in performance from that um maybe tony musket is is either the real deal or good enough and i hope he is and and that would be huge um there's so many question marks though across the depth chart of how's this how's the talent going to compete going to compete in, in a schedule that you know it's not the sec <laughs> but you know, they, yeah, they're starting yeah. with the sec <laughs> team and uh, they uh 
they still couldn't handle the doldrums of the mediocre ACC last year. So I don't know. Uh, I'll I'll be curious to see how much support unified support holds up as they start collecting losses. Um, maybe they surprise. I you know I don't think anybody's going to pick a uh, a win over Tennessee, but um, you know maybe maybe they handle JMU. Gee, wouldn't that be nice? Maybe they handle <laughs> Maryland. Maybe they handle Brennan Armstrong coming back to town on a, a prime time uh, night game, uh, which would be a lot of fun. So, you know, then you got Boston College, which uh, they never do well on the road there, it seems. Um, but it's not like BC is going to be world beaters. And you got a very beatable William and Mary team, speaking of reunions, uh, yeah. coming to ground. So who knows? Maybe they surprise and and, and they, they, they might even have a winning record after six games um you know best case scenario i think is four and two i think realistic scenario is probably two and four um unfortunately what's what's gonna what's the conversation gonna be like like you said there's just so many question marks we don't know how we're gonna feel we don't know who's gonna be a big improvement we don't know Maybe this defense is is legit, legit, right? And just yeah. it only gets better now that there's a little more depth in certain areas. Well, you know, you like Malcolm Green as a transfer in. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, that's sort of why we're having this conversation, right? Is because yeah. it, it's a it's a, a daunting task to sort of set the state of the program, whether we're talking strictly on the field or, of course, the context of everything involved i i do think vibes are going to be excited and good and celebratory and emotional and hopefully that can can push things uh to to positive results um in the actual football of it all but that's that's a tall task yeah and and you you alluded at the top to the national news and the national landscape of of realignment and and everything um, I think that's part of what's driving my not exactly anxiety, but sort of uncertainty. Um, yeah, it doesn't help. Bit, is is sure. it's it's a bad time to be bad. Yeah. Um, that you know there are reasons we've certainly seen the Big Ten make moves, you know, in their last expansion gambit before Westward Ho, um, that had very little to do with on the field product. You don't add Maryland and Rutgers because they're going to be in the college football playoff every year. Um, you add them to get television households. Um, you know, we've we've there's been plenty of reporting that that Virginia and UNC are sort of the prize jewels of of potential eastward expansion from a television household perspective for both the SEC and the Big Ten. Uh, either either one breaking into those television markets, but there's there's this question of like, how, what's your neighborhood and how do you do there? And Virginia has shown the ability to be competitive in the ACC, mm-hmm. but it takes a fairly special confluence of factors that it was, that was the peak of the London era. That was pretty much the peak. I think of the grow era was, was being in that second or third in the conference, getting to play in the upper tier bowls. That was the peak of the Mendenhall. We don't know how the Mendenhall era may have been able to carry forward if he hadn't also had this very bizarre thing. Yeah, you know, that, that that's that is also recent history for this program that I think can't be forgotten. Is is that so true? The head coach kind of quit on him, and and we can that's been unpacked yeah. a thousand times. But 
at the end of the day, these kids who committed to four or five years of their life playing for a certain vision and a certain philosophy got thrown into a completely different situation that then got up in, upended by this enormous tragedy. Um, but there's this question of can, is this staff capable of, do they have the confluence of factors to get Virginia to that place where if the ACC does go belly up, that Virginia is an option to move upward instead of downward, you know, that, that can, can Virginia be in the Oregon Washington seat instead of the Oregon state and Washington state seat. Um, and I, that's that I think could put a uh, expiration date on some of the good vibes that mm. if, if there are rumblings that there's another set of I don't think we're going to see anything as dramatic as defection Friday a couple of weeks ago in the back mm-hmm. 12. But if, if those rumblings are out there and there's a need to show program stability, I'm not saying that, that you have to show nine wins a year, but the, yeah, this is a program that's at least moving in the right direction. Mm. If that's not showing itself after six weeks, there's a, um, whether no one's going to blame Tony Elliott for the shooting. No one mm. should, no one in their right mind can sure. or should. Um, but it happened and it is part of the Tony Elliott story at UVA. And if that means there comes a point that that's part of the story and it hasn't been able to get past it and the programs like it, it just becomes this weird does it does it build them runway or does it end up cutting things short because the program's got to be in a different place because of what's going on outside the program and around the country and around college football more mm. generally that's that's i think contributing at least to my ambivalence of i don't know how invested to get because i don't know what to expect from this team and i don't know what to expect to expect like it's just it's so multi-layered that it's it's hard to have the just sort of God, I love football and I love UVA and, and it is finally UVA football season again. Like that just hasn't swelled up inside me this year in, in a way that has, even in years I knew we were going to be bad. Like it's, it's just, it's so weird and it's such an unpleasant, really unpleasant feeling to be sitting with. I feel like we were sitting with it before the shooting. Like, yeah. we were already yeah. like, well, I'm ready for basketball. Like, clearly this football team is just in shambles and, and you know, not any fun watching and <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, like like you're saying, there's a thousand other new emotions that, that lead to being like, what's really important and <laughs> out there. I don't feel that Virginia is going to be a mover in future realignment based on anything that has to do with UVA football. Um, And I think the reason for that, I guess outside of like outside of them coming in and winning the wait, there is no more coastal, but you know what I mean? Like if if, if all the sun and playing in Charlotte, you know, this O-line performed and Tony Musket's the real deal and the defense took a step up and this is an eight, nine, 10 win team, which again, no, no no one's predicting that, but outside of that, I don't think 
it will matter how bad UVA football is because I don't think we're being looked at as one of the top ACC options because of anything to do with football. It's already in spite of football being, you know, um, just a sport that quote unquote UVA fans don't care about or the school doesn't care about. Um, that's not how I feel that UVA fans don't care about it. Clearly, right? But that's the reputation, but, but and, and, the and reputation. I think we can all acknowledge, yeah, that that's and the that's numbers how... suggested too. They're you know we're not that big of a school. We don't have that many right. alums, you right. know, um, and and it isn't a crowd that gets rabid about football very much. So you know that's not going to change even if the team is good. I think if the team is good that'll be great and helpful but the the, the strengths for UVA being brought into the Big 10 or the SEC um are are already stronger than a decent football team which is the best thing we can hope for at least at this point is. Now maybe if they move, you know, if they do move into one of the mega conferences with the mega money you know, then you start being able to dr- to draw a framework for how to turn UVA football into a sure. a, a nationally competitive program. Um, but that's all down the road. I will say, since we're talking about realignment, it is sort of the story to to go on. If I if I throw out uh, options, do you have opinions on like, what you'd like to see? Big Ten, easy. Like that's, that, really? So that, mine that is easy, totally that the opposite. That it's because football is. Because UVA is not a football school, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess there's enough of me that is sort of so there's sort of two thoughts on this. One is the I still believe in institutional fit. Like I still believe in conference identity as sort of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. I know that that's fallen by the wayside, but I do I do still like it. Uh, and I I think Virginia is much more of a cultural fit in the Big Ten. That this is this is now a conference that would have three three of the top four public schools in the country in in UCLA, Michigan, and, and Virginia. Um, the fact that Virginia is not a large student population or a large alumni population, um, it's a problem in both conferences, but you've at least got the Northwesterns and the Purdue's and the Big Ten, whereas in the, in the SEC, it's like, it's just Vanderbilt and they're still bigger. Um, yeah. There's just the big state program, the 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 state you ism of of it all is i think much more prevalent in the sec than it is even you know in in the big 10 from a sports standpoint uh the sports that we do care about are like at least me basketball men's lacrosse big 10's a lacrosse conference the sec doesn't have anybody who plays it um right. so we would have to become an either an independent or an affiliate member of some other conference um, along with, you know, if, if Carolina wind, if, if whoever, there's a natural home for it, which I think speaks to institutional fit a little bit in the Big Ten. Um, the fact, I mean, Hopkins is a Big Ten lacrosse member, which would sort of right. make that rivalry part of the, the conference landscape. Um, you know, for men's basketball, it would mean all of a sudden UVA holds the Big Ten's most recent national championship, which is kind of cool. Um, so I just, yeah. I, I, I understand that, like baseball, not really you know baseball win the conference pretty much every year in the big 10 uh depending you know who else who else comes over or or comes in um i guess with the california with the cal with the west coast schools now i I guess that's more of a yeah um, that's true a baseball conference but for me it is is 
one hundred percent. Baseball team dumb. having to fly to LA like this. So it's so ridiculous. dumb. It's, it's so, so stupid. Um. So that's me. But, but yeah, it sounds like you. you are you are a hard would prefer sec definitely um but i recognize that my opinions on this matter are more selfish and less say university leadership (laughs) like motivated you know what i mean like it's not the checkbook it's not the um you know aau status or uh, it's not even like what would end up being the best for school enrollment and athletic money. It's just what would Pierce want to watch as a fan of UVA sports and being in the big 10 is choice zero is ranked. Really? It is the last thing I want. (laughs) I just, I will be so annoyed and just like, about Virginia at Iowa, like you know, like yeah. I just don't. <laughs> that is don't too unwatchable like football program. <laughs> exactly right, and everything else like Big Ten basketball. Oh my god, I would so much rather see the basketball team in the SEC. Um, baseball is self-explanatory, better there, and I'm not worried about the lacrosse programs going. Uh, going independent essentially or joining whatever version of the big east exists in lacrosse like they'll be fine um you know soccer you got to give it to the big 10 there but it's not like sec couldn't handle um some soccer and track and field is sec territory so um that almost does the sec sponsor soccer there was there was one of the big sports that of uva's big sports the sec doesn't even sponsor um is it tennis (laughs) no um no because they played uh what they played Ole Miss in tennis recently, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll look into that. I would, I, my, I mean, option number one, if I'm in charge of the universe, is football leaves the NCAA. Um, it'd be cool if there was some sort of like relegation, you know, just take all the Power Five and whoever else schools that want to play D1 football and make it something else. Men's soccer. Sorry, that is, sorry. it is men's soccer. It is uh, men's soccer. Is, well, there you go. There's a reason to not join the SEC. But anyway, men's soccer is. I mean, we're one of the best programs in sure. the history of the sport. We'll we'll figure it out. You know, as an independent. Um, but anyway, uh, it's clear that NCAA football should be its own thing from the rest of NCAA sports. And if there was a way to snap my fingers and make that happen, whatever it looked like that left everything else back the way it was, that would be beautiful or something or along the lines of the way it was. So you don't have non-revenue sports flying across the country um, all semester long to play games where they could just be down the road against regional rivals. You know, it's insane. But if that's not going to happen, then I would rather the ACC cobble together something second tier compared to the SEC and the Big Ten, and let's just compete in this second tier conference and continue to have a bajillion dollar athletic budget. And like, even if even if it means we'll never be able to compete with recruits and NIL against Big Ten schools and SEC schools, yeah. But we're not playing. We though. still don't yeah, do that right, now. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah, I know, I know. If we did, then we could. And the, the one hilarious result to all of this joining the big 10 is if the Hokies get left out to dry that's Virginia what I becomes, that's really the only you know the 10 10 times the budget program 
um yeah that'd be very funny but i don't want to yeah. see it hokey hokey listeners i don't i, I you know i'm not I saying I, that's what i want but <laughs> it would be funny um so the acc cobbles together something that's competitive enough and if in the long run or not the long run it's second tier i i think even if it's clearly second tier for the next decade that doesn't mean it's second tier forever but anyway then i would say the sec then I would say disbanding football as a real sport at this school and just being Hopkins, Georgetown, blah, blah, you know, et cetera. And like, I love football. I'm never going to give up on it. But if the situation forced me to, then like that's for the greater good, right? Yeah. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just put a roof on Scott stadium and let the <laughs> basketball teams play there. And I know this will never happen. I'm being a little tongue in cheek and then join the big Ten. There, That wow. is how I rank. Um, things I would want to see as Pierce, the sports fan. Uh, that's, that's just how I feel. I just think of all those places that I'll never go to, (laughs) to see a game. Yeah. But I'd rather, I mean, like there's the, would you rather go to Madison in in November or Oxford in Labor Day weekend? Mississippi. Easy. Really? Yeah. At least SEC football has like an entertaining brand of like we don't care that that this is terrible. We've got pom poms and alcohol, <laughs> you know, like the yeah. like again, football football should be separate from from institutional athletics at this point anyway, but uh like they, you know. <sighs> yeah, that's that is I like the what if the money's a, too big. It's the just... money's too big, and, and and there's so much. All of those other programs we just talked about are built on on the football money. That, that, yeah, that's exactly. the 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 thing. Absent a a radical restructuring of the entirety of the college sports landscape, right, and the entirety of broadcast rights and all those sorts of things, right. and that all thi- is what should happen, is, but it won't. Yeah, right. Like there is there is a. There is a a credible argument to be had that the that Virginia should not have stayed in one A when the split <laughs> happened. That that like the the sort of I know we all those of us who have who are really nerding out over UVA like the Gooch report and all that kind of stuff of of where the the decisions that the university and the and the athletic department and everybody made in the fifties and sixties. Uh, there's a just you look at, at you know, we talked about the the size of the institutions and those sorts of things. The the programs that can do it are the schools that can do it are three times our size with four times our right. alumni base. Right. Um, and it's it's, but I mean, it, I, going back to what's on the field, that was that was I was a a full buy in on Bronco Mendenhall that there was a clear. Until he threw the ball to an offensive yes. lineman with the game on the line, I was right there with you. There's, but there's a like, there's a. I was a full buy-in on the Mendenhall strategy, not always on the tactics. I'll <laughs> I'll put it that way. That the idea of this place is different, and we got to do things differently if we're going to be successful. Yeah, um, that is the thing that I am still the most worried about with Tony Elliott and the idea of oh, I can run it like a smaller Clemson. There's just a, you can't. And I haven't seen anything to indicate, oh, there's a theory of football underlying this that is 
this is how we're going to do things differently. This is the style, the type of three-star recruit that we're going to target specifically because they've been overlooked for one metric or another, whether it's size, whether it's something, um, because we know we can fit them into a specific role in this program and they're going to do five-star things with a three-star rating. Like that, the, we're going to line up and we're going to run the ball. Like, uh, no, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, so that's, yeah, the, who, who you are, what's your neighborhood. I don't think this coaching staff appreciates in the same way that its predecessor did, even if its predecessor also had issues. Yeah, we haven't at least seen any evidence to suggest that. Yeah. So yeah. that's the that's the question asked of them until we see such evidence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like yeah. is this a good fit? Is this a, a thing that can work here? Um it's a huge ask <laughs> this year. Yeah. And the turnover in the roster is either going to answer it or, or, well, is going to answer that question one way or the other, right? Like we're going to, by the end of this year, probably have a good idea. Um, what we don't want to get into, of course, is is the Mike London trap of, okay, um, well, we'll do half of it and we'll completely bring in a different offensive system or defensive yeah. system, um, you know, every year or two, right? Uh but at least yeah. with London, the recruiting was pretty good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's for the, the beneath the surface stuff is somewhat even more troubling to me on that front that um, there's been a, a fair amount of uh, national, national folks who on the recruiting front, national media who are tied into what's happening on the ground mm. at, the the elite high schools in tidewater in northern virginia in in virginia's recruiting footprint um being vocally being willing to say out loud that they are underwhelmed by the effort that's being put in by virginia Oof. is brutal is that all you got brutal. i mean you're trying to turn around a program yeah. and no one's no one is and this is the trying to run it like a smaller Clemson program problem. No one's falling out of their chair excited because a coach from Charlottesville walked through the door in the same way that it is when a coach from Clemson walks through the door. Mm -hmm. And if you're not as much as we know of there had been let down in Virginia's relation in UVA's relationship with high school programs at in various phases under different coaching staffs. Um, that it's not like there was a deep reservoir of trust and goodwill that they could coast on for a year or two. This was the, we've, he, Tony Elliott stated when he came in, this was his focus was rebuilding the idea of, of in-state recruiting. And that that's got to look like boots on the ground every damn day. Um, you know, if, if there are kids that you want, yeah, it, Virginia recruiting is different now. It is not the Frank Beamer of the 90s kind of put up a fence around the 757. Like that's mm -hmm. that's not going to happen in part because of the success Beamer had and Tech had with those kids, Florida and Florida State and Penn State and everybody else knows that there's talent in Virginia and they're coming to get it. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're not putting up more of a fight, 
and and Virginia is an idea that you got to sell kids on, mm. and it, because there is like yeah the ops the the operation center having the the steel going up and that's that's a vision that you can sell but you still got to sell it because you can't just walk a kid through the door and dazzle them with it right now right. there's not a string of bowl think about who it is that's being recruited right now a kid that's a a sophomore in high school right now was born in 2006 2007 what has virginia football done in that kid's lifetime to make them think, yeah, that should be a viable that that should be where I want to go. All other comers be damned. Which is what it, you, you know, know such a damn shame that Bronco left. Yes, yeah. <laughs> because they had an idea of who to get and could point at and establish. Look what we can help you do, even yeah. if you're short. <laughs> you know, sort of type Correct. of deal, but also like. I mean, there's no way Tony Elliott and his staff don't know that it's got to be a kid who wants to come and learn and, you know, whether we can get some NIL or not enough NIL money, like that's not, that's icing on the cake. Like that's not going to be why they're looking to get recruited, right? Which just, hey, if that's why you want to get recruited, go get that back, right? Like, yeah, exactly. That's what football is. But the economic, the economics has been at this point. So go do it. Right. We don't want to, we can't be putting efforts into losing kids who, you know, if we're playing the, if we're playing the NCAA video game and it's like their A plus category is NIL deal. Well, we're not going to sway that recruit (laughs) against Penn State or Florida or, you know, and I think, I think even the, 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 the last coaching staff, certainly there were a couple of those recruiting classes that there was a very consistent message coming from those kids that were coming in that UVA is a 40 year decision, not a four year decision yeah. that that's, you've got to sell the kid on. If, if a kid is making decisions based on economics and economic factors, you've got to have a kid that's able to one, let's, let's be real about this fortunate enough to not need the NIL money to support their family or, or whatever, which there are plenty of those stories around college football. Mm-hmm. And those are kids that it's very unfortunate. UVA may not ever be able to get somebody who needs that. Now, how, what percentage of, of high school athletes that really is, who knows, but you, the kind of kid who can make go through the thought process of, oh, I understand a 40-year decision for my future. That's the kind of kid that all of the the academic elements of UVA will make sense to, and they're more likely to be a cultural fit if if it's somebody who's looking at that 40-year decision. Um, I just, I haven't heard that in the same, there's been a lot more Oh, it's a great like the staff. The staff is a good fit, and it's it's clear that they're taking things seriously with the operations facility. There, there's a little bit more of we're we're appealing to who you are and what we can do right now, um, as opposed to the messaging that was very clearly having some traction with who was coming in with the last staff. Um, yeah, we, we shall see. I guess. <laughs> Welcome to the uh, Football Optimism Podcast with Paul and Pierce. It's so funny, though, because, I mean, we're both on the same page as I assume most people listening are, which is like, man, can't wait to, like, see him out there and hope they yeah. do 
when so i don't i think everybody i'm still building my saturdays around right yeah none of this is like i hate virginia football i hate this coaching staff or anything i love virginia football i want them to be good and i'm frustrated at at the reasons that it seems like they can't be right i and i you know i hope this coaching staff does do well because i want them to do well i love to be proven but man i just remember like halfway through last year just being like, what are we doing here, guys? You know, and maybe some yep. of that's the growing pains of having players who weren't um, gelling with that. That's the easiest explanation. Well, that's one of the easiest explanations and probably the most likely explanation. I don't think it's a likely, likely explanation that this coaching staff has no, is in over their heads and can't no, run no, a no, football no. team or something like that. Um, but it looked like that at some time, some points during the being unable to get year. your players to buy into what you're doing is part of running a football program, right? Very true. Like that's, very you true. can have all the X's and O's, you know, mentality in the world, and it's still only a part of it. Um, right. so I, yeah, that's the buy in was certainly the most public rationale that was stated for last year's struggles. Um, if that, if that bell is still being rung this year. Uh, it's gonna start to ring a little hollow. I mean, how are you not buying, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, it means it means you either don't know how to get kids to buy in, or right. you're selling something that nobody's buying, uh, right. that they see through whatever it is you're trying to do. And then either so, way, it's not gonna work. So correct. We'll see. Um, you know, no matter what happens in Bristol, uh, we will be optimistic about that JMU game. Boy, would it be nice. Optimistic is not the... Like, no, I don't yes, mean about winning. I am optimistic for a win, but like fearful for a loss right. is much more the, the emotion that'll be running through my head. I don't, I, listen, we'll get to predictions maybe next week. I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to come up with. I'll do a little more research on these opponents because I really haven't been following anybody else's offseason, that's no. for sure. I'm going to somehow talk myself into us going 9-3 and three when we do the prediction episode, <laughs> which is dumb. Like if you say what should our record? I do this every year. Yeah, it's what you know in in aggregate. What should the record be? I'm like I don't know six and six, five and seven. And we do the preview. I'm like, how did I get ten wins out of this record? Wait, if they beat Madison, everyone's just going to be, oh thank God. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which is sort of like, which credit to JMU. Like, well, they, yeah, they, true. They, uh, yeah. The, uh, most of this is coming from seeing a program built to like from starting. Uh, one double a or fcs and then coming up to being able to challenge virginia and virginia tech in state and then obviously the national landscape success that they've had recently too so yeah i mean it's all because jmu is a built program now um that we really don't want to lose to <laughs> yeah so, we'll get to that soon um mike collins is the story of the year maybe we should uh focus on closing uh, on on that celebration of course very excited to see tony musket produce i did i mentioned i went to the spring game and then didn't talk about whatsoever but i appreciated the <laughs> uh, the chat um i really liked what i saw from the freshman quarterback from uh, florida I, I, I know his name is i just don't know if i'm pronouncing it correct calandria calendaria yeah i'm Anthony. not sure either i'll i'll, um, I'll own up to that he's just definitely got a fun sort of 
you know moxie to to like sling it around i mean there's always the the famous football players that you say when it's that type of player so i'm not even going to say them because it's absurd comparisons but um i liked what i saw from him right away and i certainly am encouraged by a lot of the transfers coming in uh the wide receiver room is not deep but the people who uh should be penciled into the two deep are strong um so that's a reason for uh, optimism a lot of upside in that room too if, mm-hmm. if, if like players like Dak Twitty um you know coming back from injury um if a player like Sudari- Sudari- sure. Sudarian Harrison as a freshman you know as a kid that had offers from Oklahoma like mm-hmm. yeah there, there's there's a lot of upside in that room that uh could be a very pleasant surprise I think mm-hmm. and even um even the, the the secondary I mean Clary uh Lex Long Cohen King like I said Malcolm Green coming in um, I think, you know, the defense could be legit. I think the depth is not there at, gosh, I, I, it's hard to look at the depth chart and point at any depth, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we'll get into some more position talk when we talk, uh, next week. Um, Zach will be back soon, folks. Um, I hope you found this, uh, entertaining or cathartic. I thought it was at least, um, interested to hear everybody else's opinions as well on uh, where UVA should go conference wise. So feel free to uh, leave a comment or tweet at us about that. Um, yeah. Zeet? Is it, is it not? not I'm saying now? tweet and Twitter okay. forever. Yeah. I, God. Yeah. Don't, I, that's a whole nother episode. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you can find me on blue sky too, by the way. So, uh, until next week, everybody, when we'll be back to uh, break down more things about uh, Virginia football right around the corner uh, for everyone at Streaking the Lawn. This, again, is Speaking the Lawn because we were forced to change the name of the podcast. <laughs> Go Hoops. <laughs>